2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're looking today for our reading verses 3 through 12. We'll focus on verses 4 through 12. But for our reading, we will read 3 through 12. Again, we're, we're talking about the day of the Lord. This is part 2. And today we want to focus our thoughts on the truth of the Antichrist. The truth, excuse me, the truth of the Antichrist. It's the Gordon, while you're finding this verse, or these verses, it's the Gordon wrote this. It is startling to think that Satan can come into the heart of a man in such close touch with Jesus as Judas was. And more, he is cunningly trying to do the same with us today. Yet he can get in only through a door open from the inside. Every man controls the door of his own life. Satan can't get in without our help. <laughs> now we who are born again believers, this especially applies to us. Because we have a Holy Spirit living within us. So if Satan gets in, it's because we've allowed him to come in. Amen. Now we can, if we want to, deny his existence. But the truth is, he's real. If we want to, we can deny his power. But the truth is, it's real. If we want to, we can deny that he uses us from time to time. But the truth is, he will. If we open the door the least little bit, he will come through it. You don't have to open it wide. Just open it a little bit and he's going to come through. And if we're naive to think that we're so spiritual that Satan would not, he cannot and will not infiltrate us. Just keep thinking that. Because he's probably already using you. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, can Satan pluck us out of God's hand? No. If we are in the hand of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and Christ's hand is in God the Father, and we are sealed till the day of redemption, no, he can't pluck us out of God's hand. But whenever we are led away by the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the pride of life then we are allowing him to use us to become a mockery to God and when that happens we're in very close danger of God just snatching us out of this world you know the problem with that is our families don't know where we're at we leave people behind confused We leave people behind troubled. And when a family doesn't know where their loved one is at, that is troubling. I'm not talking about troubling for a day. It's about troubling for the rest of their lives. So I would say that we should not allow Satan to use us. That we should be mindful of the fact that he is there and that he is trying to use us 
not because he cares for us, but because he wants to use us against our God. Today, as we continue in the book of 2 Thessalonians, Paul shares with us some truths that we really need to understand about the man of sin, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. The Bible tells us in these verses, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the lawlessness of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. And destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs and lying wonders. And with all unrighteousness. Unrighteous deception. Among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they may, that they should believe the lie. That they may, they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is God's holy word. God we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that you have given us. We thank you for this place that you have given us. So God, now allow your word to go forth to us and allow us, God, to hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Help us, God, to be aware of our enemy that is out there, your adversary, your opponent. God, that he doesn't care. Help us to realize he doesn't care about us. All he cares about is hurting you. So God, help us to be who you have called us to be, to reach the potential you have called us to reach, and God, to glorify you in everything that we do. Now, God, if there's anybody here who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this message speak to their hearts. And God, you move and minister. And God, we give you praise for what's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This book, I've been trying to actually go to this book for some time um, and to preach through this book. And now, I, I, as I've been studying through it for preaching, I, I come to understand exactly why it's been 17 years that I could actually come to this book. The messages from this book is preached with a heavy heart. But we must preach it in truth. And when we look here in this passage, as we're here in chapter 2, last week we shared that among the Thessalonian believers, there was a deception that was going on that caused much confusion. 
the believers were being taught that the day of the Lord's judgment was upon them. So Paul, in his attempt to clear up their misunderstanding or the deception that was going on, he shares with them they can look to the day of the Lord, but the judgment of God is not at hand. There, he shares with them that there's a couple of things that has to take place before the judgment of God comes. One, he shared that there will be a falling away. What Paul is speaking of is a rebellion would take place where people will not serve the Lord, but instead they will rebel against him. And second, Paul shared that the man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. Well, today, as we move further in this text, we want to share some truths, some truths that Paul shares about this man of sin, the son of perdition. As a matter of fact, first, what we want to notice is there's a truth that Paul shares about the character of the Antichrist. And the truth that Paul shares about his character is he is one who will exalt himself. In verse 3, the apostle Paul calls him the man of sin. He said, Paul is saying here that he is the very embodiment of lawlessness and rebellion against God. Paul also calls him the son of perdition. And what Paul is saying that he is, that this man, this man of sin is pure evil. In other words, he says he's just like Satan himself. By saying this, Paul is saying that the, uh, the Antichrist isn't Satan. Instead, he's like Satan. He rebels against God and, and he is evil. In other words, he will demonstrate the same character that Satan demonstrates. And we see this there in verse 4. We see his character. He opposes all that is called uh, God. The Antichrist is an adversary or he is an opponent of Jesus Christ and everything that Jesus Christ stands for. He tells us just that, this tells us just how blind we actually were. It also tells us just how blind many today still are. When, when the Antichrist, the, this adversary, this, this opponent of God is, is going against everything that is of God. He's going against everything that the, the Bible teaches us about Christ. We know what Christ is, don't we, we know he's love, he's grace, he's mercy, he is forgiveness. And just knowing that and knowing that he stands for these things lets us understand how blind we were when we were following the one who stood against these very things. Let's go a little further and share what all, what more that Jesus is. The Bible tells us that he is joy and he is peace. He's full of patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you believe? that we would actually at one time us believers at one time we were following one who opposed all of these good things yeah and you who are not saved you're still following the one who opposes all of these good things you know when we were dead in the trespass of our sin we followed the one who was opposing who was an adversary of everything good (laughs) 
And yes, you who were lost, you were still following the adversary or the one who poses everything that is good. But, you know, that's not all Paul shares about him. Paul shares that he exalts himself above everything that is worshipped. Now, this means every God out there. Not just our God, the one true God, but every God out there. He sets himself above them. How does he do this? The Bible says, the Bible teaches us there's coming a day after Jesus has taken the church away. That there's going to be one who appears. And he's going to have all the answers to satisfy those who are delusional, who are still on earth. And, and when he satisfies them with his answers, he's going to set himself up as a God. And he's going to sit in God's seat in God's house. And he's going to sit there and he's going to reign and it's going to be utter chaos for 42 months. Yes, he, he's going to be there in the temple of God. This signifies that this evil, rebellious man is possessed and is operating just as Satan would have him to. And I, I want to be honest with us here today. Whenever we rebel against the word of God, we are allowing Satan to use us. This goes, this goes for all of us who are born again believers as well. When we disobey the word of God, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, at that very moment, we are not walking in the spirit, but we are doing the works of the flesh. No, preacher, this can't happen. Well, let's think back to the book of Daniel. And what we find is King Nebuchadnezzar at this point in chapter 3, he has created this, or he's had this created, a 90-foot statue made of gold. And he sent word down to command the people, the nations, and languages that at the sound of the symphony of all kinds of music, that they would fall and worship the gold image the king has set up. And whoever refused to fall and worship would be cast into a fiery furnace. Here the king is using power and fear and intimidation to oppose all that is God and exalt himself above all and be worshipped. Because we remember the... He's done this in the midst of the people that he has brought from Israel and from Judah. The choicest of, of those that had came in. The best of the best that had came in. And, and after their first invasion of, of, um, of Jerusalem, when they brought them in, here these, here these Jews are who had been worshiping God. They fall down. And they begin to worship. Listen, folks, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of Jews who were once worshiping God fell and worshiped at the king's command. In that moment, God's people, God's people was doing the works of the flesh. They were not walking in the spirit. So let me ask, how can we avoid allowing Satan to use us? In other words, how can we avoid walking or walking in our flesh how can we avoid rebelling against God how can we avoid allowing Satan to use us to exalt him well we must one be committed to walking in Jesus steps and we can begin walking in his steps by starting each day with, some, with a devotional time what I mean is spending some time 
Even if it's just 10 minutes each morning praying or, or speaking with God and meditating or letting God speak to you through his word. If we spend some devotional time with God, we can't help but have God on our mind throughout the day. And when we are determined to be pray, prayerful throughout the day, and I don't mean that we're on our knees showing off for the world and letting them know that I pray all day, but I mean that, that all day our mind is set on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're sensitive to the, to the Holy Spirit speaking to us and, and we go throughout our day and allowing our eyes to be open to everything that's going on around us and when the Holy Spirit presses upon our hearts and minds, we begin to pray wherever we're at for whatever need that we see arise. Amen. Yes. If we are committing to devotional time and committing to being determined to be prayerful, we should also be committed to being discerning discerning enough to recognize when our enemy is opposing us so that we will know when we are exhibiting the works of the flesh and if we discern that that we're doing anything but exhibiting the fruit of the spirit then we should recognize what we've done we should repent we should refocus and we should restart walking in jesus steps following these steps will help us to avoid allowing satan to use us to exalt him. You've gotten awfully quiet. I hope this is making sense. I truly do. I hope you're just taking it in. <laughs> uh, but Paul shares another truth with us. He shares the truth of, about the challenge for the Antichrist. And he shares in here in this text that the antichrist is restricted and many of us understands what it is to face challenges in this world uh, challenges of not being able to do exactly what we want to do because of various things these challenges often restrain us or restrict us from doing all that we'd like what do I mean by being restricted? It's to be held back from something. Maybe we're restrained or restricted by financial obligations. Maybe we're restrained or restricted by health issues or even family issues. Well, the Antichrist is not revealed at this time. At this time, he's being held back. At this time, he's being restrained. He's being restricted. The sad thing is the Lord will not always restrain him. There will be a time when he moves out of the way. And when he moves out of the way, he's going to let him loose. <laughs> and the Antichrist will be revealed and he will rain havoc on the earth. However, he can't do this until the Lord allows it to happen. <laughs> He is, the Lord is restricting and restraining him. I don't know, somebody should have shouted right there. Because the God that we serve is greater than the enemy that he has. But you know, not only is he restricted, but he's ruined. The challenge that the, that the Antichrist is going to face is the fact that he's just ruined. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Really, what's sad is that Satan knows that this man who is like him, who will work just as Satan instructs him to work, is already ruined. 
But the man of sin, the Antichrist, has no idea the fate that awaits him. Paul says that the Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth. And he will destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Folks, anyone who opposes or is an adversary to the Lord will face challenges. Listen, creation will never win against the creator. And there's no way that Satan can beat our God because our God spoke the world into existence. And before he spoke the world into existence, he had created all the angels in heaven. And when Satan wanted to rebel against him, God just took him out of his presence, cast him and all of those who wanted to follow him and be exalted above him, away from him. Listen, folks, Satan can't do no more than what God will allow him to do. And when he feels like he's beating us down, you can rest assured God's got a higher plan that's going to take us through because he's not going to let Satan win against us who know him. King Nebuchadnezzar faced a great challenge. When the people failed to worship his golden image, there was three Hebrew boys by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you remember this. They refused to bow down and worship the image. The king told them that, that when the music played, then again, that they best bow down and worship the image or they'd be cast into this fiery furnace. The boy said, King, uh, our God, he can deliver us not only from the fire, but also from your hand and even if he doesn't know this old king that we will not bow down and worship you or this image this posed a problem for the king this wasn't done in secret <laughs> this wasn't done behind closed doors this was done in front of everyone so the problem was the king couldn't carry on a conversation with these boys any longer. He had to exert his authority over these boys and over the people. So he had the fire turned up. Turned up so high that when they put the boys into the fire, bound up in their clothes, it consumed the men who put them in the fire. <laughs> I don't know how long, maybe... A few seconds, maybe a few minutes, but ever how long it was, the king must have had a glass fixed to where you could see through this, this furnace because he looked inside, the Bible says, and he began to ask his counselors, how many did we send in there? Didn't we throw three boys in there? They said, yes, sir, king, that is the truth. He said, well, I see four men walking about free in there. They weren't just walking about. He said, the fourth man in the midst of them looks like the image of the very son of God. Listen, this is a man who wanted to be exalted above God and now he's declaring there is an image of the very son of God. He went on to say that the God of these men shall be worshipped. Listen, when we will worship God, when we will face the challenges before us and not let our enemy ruin us, that God will be glorified in the midst of everything that is done. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar was astonished 
And you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but those of you who are lost, those of you who do not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you are facing the challenge of living in this world guilt-free. And folks, you can't do it. You don't have to, you don't have to face the, you're living with the challenge of wanting to face the, not have to face any consequences for your actions. But folks, there's going to always be consequences for our actions. Physics tells us there's consequences for our actions. Because whatever you do, there's something opposite that's also going to be done. What goes around, it does come around. Yes, you you may not want to face the consequences of your actions. You may not want to deal with your sin. But the Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. And if you leave this world and your sin has not been paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ, you will face the ruin of having to spend an eternity separated from a holy God. Your sin will separate you from for eternally from God. And you will spend an eternity in a place not created for you, but it's created for Satan and all of his angels. It's a literal place and they call this place hell but that can be changed if you will believe that Jesus is savior of the world if you repent of your sin and call upon the name of the Lord the Bible says you shall be saved not you might not you could but that you shall be saved oh yeah Some of you may be asking, preacher, why are you preaching this? Are you trying to scare us? No, I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to inform you. And there's a reason I'm trying to inform you. It's because there is the Antichrist has been commissioned. In verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul reminds the Thessalonian believers that he told them about the Antichrist when he was with them. This is a reminder for us that we must not shy away of teaching about end time events. Because the lawless one, he is coming. He is commissioned to deceive all that he can. He is coming according to the working of Satan. And he will have power to demonstrate signs and lying wonders. The things that he will be able to do to deceive people will not be real, but they will appear to be real. The Bible calls it an unrighteous deception. We must teach this because many will be destroyed. Many will perish because they reject the love of Jesus Christ. They rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because they rejected God's only begotten son who lived the perfect life and died so that we could live, God will allow them to have what they want. They just won't want what they will have. They will be condemned because they refused the truth. Folks, the commission of the Antichrist is clear. His commission is to deceive and to destroy However, Jesus was commissioned also when he come to earth. And his commission was to redeem and to restore. And Jesus willfully left the portals of glory. He came to this sin-cursed world. He was born into the... In, by a virgin and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. He lived a sinless life making him worthy to be the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Being that he is perfect and spotless, 
his blood. It is, it was, and it forever will be sufficient to cover the sin of the world. Preacher, you don't know where I've been. I don't need to know his blood to cover it. Preacher, you don't know how bad it's been. I don't need to know his blood to cover it. Preacher, you don't know how I've been taught. It doesn't matter. His blood will cover it and we'll teach you better. And he'll teach you better than we can. To provide forgiveness for us, to redeem us, he shed his blood so that if we will believe in him and that on the third day God raised him from the dead, if we will repent of our sin and receive him as our Lord and Savior, then we will be restored into a right relationship with God and fellowship with him as our father. So let me ask now, as they come to prepare our invitation, who will you follow today? Will you follow the one who's commissioned to deceive and destroy you? Or will you follow the one who's commissioned to redeem and to restore you? Will you follow our Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you continue to follow his opposer, his adversary? Following Jesus, we win. I've read the back of the book. (laughs) We win. Following his opposer. You lose. And you don't lose for a moment. It's not a game that has an ending. This is eternity. This is eternity. You can win for all eternity. Or you can lose for all eternity. The choice is yours. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Do you today want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior?